Good Thursday evening, everyone. Welcome to Talking Stuff. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That is Andrew Ellis. This is the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast on the podcast. We are back from our vacations, time off, the slow period, all of the things that drive people crazy about recruiting, Andrew. And uh, I know that people are, are wanting to know what's the latest, what's the haps, what's going on. And there's a lot going on, right? But it also still feels like there's a lot of things that are just percolating just under the surface that are like waiting for the next month to really bubble over as we head into uh, the next evaluation period for Ohio state, the next, uh, you know, live period for recruiting for visitors to come to campus that starts, I think March the 1st Um, Ohio state probably won't really start that until March 5th when they begin spring practice, but it does uh, appear that the month of March is going to be a busy one for Ohio state and I think if you're talking around the country and all the other things that are going on for the Buckeyes, the the name that keeps being brought up the most to as I see it, maybe you see it differently, Andrew, is Fahim Delane, the uh, number one ranked safety in the country from the Baltimore area. He is a really special player. I got to watch him play last year in person against Lakewood St. Edward, and uh, he was all over the field, and it was easy to see that first day of watching him in person, why he's ranked as highly as he is and why the Buckeyes view him the way they do. To me, he's a perfect replacement for what Lason Ransom does for the Buckeyes, but maybe even a little bit bigger and more of like a, a, a nasty you know presence at the line of scrimmage. But he can also play corner. He can do a lot of different things. And uh, it's easy to see why he's their top target. And in the last couple of weeks, it's just been this steady influx of people talking about how this is seemingly a done deal. But every time you look at Fahim Delane's social media, you see a trip scheduled to, to Texas or a trip scheduled to Colorado of all places and uh, Oregon and you know him and Devin Sanchez going back and forth about what throwing up the O means because Devin Sanchez obviously says it's for Ohio State and, and, and Fahim Delane says it's also for Oregon. So how do you view what's going on right now uh, from the outside looking in? Um, so... I mean, make no mistake about it. Like this is the Caleb Downs or the KJ Bolden for the, for the 2025 class. And I think you and I talked about a week before you went on vacation and it seemed like things were progressing. Well, I mean, progressing in Ohio state's favor, but nothing really imminent. And then I, you know, saw some things online probably when you were at the airport or just starting your vacation. Cause I like to bother you when you're doing fun things. Uh, but there had been some things you had like mentioned that looked like maybe something was going to be happening. He might, he may or may not have tweeted out like a snippet from a commitment video. Um, I don't know. It looked like the high production value video. So that's the first thing that hit my mind, but yeah, I don't know. Like it seemed like maybe something was going to pop and then he's visiting Texas and I don't know, like it certainly feels like Ohio state's leader in the clubhouse, but is that going to happen tomorrow or later in March or this summer? Yeah, the funny thing is, is there's all those little tea leaves that you see. There was, as you mentioned, the the snippet of a video that looked like a commitment style video from the old days. There was the uh, Hayes Fawcett graphic of these are his offers. Where should he go? Which seems to have been precluding decisions in the last few, uh, not precluding, but previewing decisions in the last few months for a number of other players. Then you have Fahim Delane who tweets um, uh, that he was committed and then deleted the tweet, but he didn't tweet as to where. Um, then you see the crystal balls coming in, but then, as you mentioned, it's like, well, now there's visits set to other schools. People I've talked to in in the last couple of weeks have said that Delane's 
leaning towards Ohio State, probably, but wanting to extend this out for another month or two, definitely. So, like, I've been trying to stay um, reasonable as far as the expectation, but then you see all these little things that happen that are normally harbingers of, of news, and there has been no news, and then the only news is visits elsewhere. Um, I imagine he'll be at Ohio State sometime in March. I know that uh, Devin Sanchez will be in town. I think it's the 18th through the 21st of March. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State works to get Fahim Delane and every other top defensive back target on campus for that weekend um, when the Sanchez family is in town. And to really sort of build that bond, that the relationship between Delane and Devin Sanchez is really, really good. Um, in fact, almost to a point where I think that, and I'm going to say this and it'll be viewed weirdly, Oregon is like the one team I think that has been pushing for Devin Sanchez more than anyone else, uh, more so than even Texas A&M or, or LSU or Alabama in recent months or recent weeks. So Oregon is actually trying to like use Fahim Delane as a way to say, you guys can play together, but it doesn't have to be at Ohio State. Obviously, Devin Sanchez is, is solidly committed, but Oregon is playing that that goal. And so it kind of feels to me in a way, um, and I know it's verboten to talk about uh, Michigan players, but it's almost like the relationship that we saw between Will Johnson and Damani Jackson a, a few years back. And like you could see them playing together, but you could also see them splitting up and going to these two different schools that each of them are really high on. Um, I, I still think it's leaning toward Ohio State for Fahim Delane. In fact, I, I would probably be surprised if it wasn't Ohio State at this point, but the visit to Texas, the visit to Colorado is certainly concerning because you just, you know, you get a defensive back around Deion Sanders and not, it's not no offense to Matt Guerrero, but like if you have the opportunity to, to hang out and be coached maybe by Deion Sanders or Matt Guerrero, who's a, a fine je- gentleman, but you know, it's uh, not really a competition. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think Oregon is really the one team that kind of concerns me. And there's several Oregon-Ohio State recruiting battles shaping up this cycle, it seems like. So when Perry Eliano left, I thought that that was going to be a problem in this recruitment. Now, obviously, since that time, the crystal balls and all those picks have come in. So from what from the people that you've spoken with, is it safe to say that Eliano's departure has had little to no impact on where things stand as far as where Ohio State's at on his pecking order? It was a hiccup, uh, certainly a hiccup that you have to get over. It's just a speed bump, really, more than anything else. And Macarrary done a nice job immediately picking up the ball and becoming, um, you know, tight and, and very close with Delane. And but it's also a matter that Ryan Day has been very involved in that recruitment from the beginning. And so uh, it was never just Perry Eliano. It was Ryan Day, Perry Eliano, Tim Walton, Fahim, when he was on uh, Bermanology with me back in in the season, he said that you know his relationship with the Ohio State staff was better than his relationship with any other staff, and I don't think that's changed at all. I think the only thing that really changes from here is how long does he want this to go. That 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 is what I think can change the dynamic of this recruitment because there are other safeties that Ohio State is re- uh, is recruiting and that the Buckeyes are very involved with, and. I could see a scenario, and I think in some way there's maybe a little, a little silver lining to Dorian Brew pushing back his recruitment uh, and not making a decision on January 24th like he was intending to. Because if you start to throw other safeties into the mix, if Trey McNutt commits early, if, if Dorian Brew had committed, that becomes a harder sell. And I think in some ways you you can actually 
approached Fahim Delane and said, hey, you're our guy. We're waiting for you. The relationship you have with Naeem and with Devin is, is next level. Think about how good this secondary can be with all you guys in it. Um, and even though I don't think he would be uh, like pushed off of that mark by Dorian Brew or Trey McNutt or anyone else, because that's just not who Delane is, but still makes it easier, you know? Yeah, it would just Rarely's be cool a good job. Them, it would be good to see them wrap this one up in the next four to six weeks, I guess. Just the last couple of safety cycles have been problematic, even though obviously Caleb Downs has found his way back to Ohio State or maybe Michigan. If you see yeah, read the mean, Chile's on Twitter, who knows? Who knows? He could be on his way. He could be yeah. heading anywhere right now. That's the way the world works now. Caleb Downs definitely, definitely transferring out of Ohio State people. Come on. What yeah, are we doing? But- if, if we could avoid if we could avoid one of those late or December leading up to the early signing period safety battles and get this one locked up pretty early, that would be um that would be ideal. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's not just safety where Ohio State is working hard to get some decisions made in the next month. Um, it, linebacker is a very important position in the class of 2025, and James Laurinaitis now officially uh, the linebackers coach for Ohio State. He could have his first w- real win. Uh, just about a month from now is TJ Alford. I think it's March 28th is when he's expected to make his decision. Like he is the linebacker target for Ohio state right now. Every, everyone else on the board, the Riley Pettijohns of the world, the Elijah Melendez is the Madden for the Elijah Barnes, all those guys would be a, just a couple notches below where Ohio state values TJ Alford. He's going to visit. I, I think it was March 22nd. He, he'll be in town. So that's when you'll see Devin Sanchez there as well. Like that visit is really important for Ohio State. It's probably his last one that he takes before making a decision. Um, it feels like it's Ohio State or Miami. I know his father apparently is a big Miami Hurricanes fan, and there's some belief that they can get on the field faster uh, in Coral Gables than they could Ohio State. And I, I guess I understand that because Ohio State generally is good and. If you need freshmen to play right away, it's because you're bad normally. Um, but it, it, the the guy is so different from anything else Ohio State has on their roster at linebacker. Maybe similar in some ways to Arvell Reese, who's a, a bigger version of it, maybe. Um, but as just a potential speed rusher or an edge rusher guy, like TJ Alford is is unusual uh, in the North. And so if you can find a way to wrap that up, that would be a major first win for James Laurinaitis, who was held back. So often in the last cycle, especially with Kingston Viamuasa, from all the conversation about you're not going to be here, he's not going to be there. Now it's locked in and loaded. He is going to be there. And Alfred is priority one. And so now you've got like a month to figure out if Laurinaitis can really start that climb to being the elite recruiter that everyone expects him to be. Yeah. And Laurinaitis talked about it the other day when he met with the media, just the some of the comments some of the other coaching staffs were making to uh to recruits that he was um in communication with so yeah if this can be if this is his first real and i know peyton pierce committed for 2024 probably because of james laurinitis even though he was just a ga but if this is your first big win your first big splash as the linebackers coach i mean that's a hell of a start and uh yeah march 30th i I checked is that day for his commitment but i I, getting that last visit's great i do kind of wonder if he's got you know, a week or so from the visit to the com- commitment, is he going to like go and make a trip to, to Florida or Miami or something like that? But as things stand, I'd right be now, shocked I mean, if he didn't. To be honest, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a Florida, it's a Florida recruitment. But top of the board guy, if they can wrap this one up here in about a month, that's that's going to be fantastic. 
I, I realize that people look at a guy like James Laurinaitis and just assume that every high school linebacker in the country is going to be instantly drawn to him uh, based on the fact that he's a three-time All-American and a former Buckus Award winner and a guy who played that 12, 14 years or however long it was in the NFL. Like there are, All the accolades are there, and James Laurinaitis doesn't need to to be like insightful and he doesn't need to be thoughtful and all the other things that he is because his accolades speak for himself. But for people who haven't had a chance to, to read or hear what he said uh, in the media session we had with him on Tuesday, I want to like underscore what makes him, I think someone who's going to be that Brian Hartline, Tim Walton level recruiter. And he was asked about, you know, what he, what makes him special, I guess in that space. And he said, I try to be an ambassador of Ohio State. I love this school. It's changed my life. It's done wonders for me and my family to play here, recruit your position at the school you went to at that place that you love. It's so natural. So when you're explaining it to people, I'm sure there are some coaches that have come off as car salesmen. There's really none of that because I've lived it. When you're talking to young people, trying to convince them to come to your school, it's like, this is what it did for me. I love this place. I want to raise my girls around this place because of how special it is and how it changed my life. I know it can change the lives of these other young men. Like when you, and the thing about James is, is he's so young um, and you could look at him and see other NFL players who've been in his position that are very cocky and very, they come off almost uh, irritating and <laughs> for calling it what it is. And he just doesn't. And it, it is so different. Um, and I think, you know, people are going to expect a very similar result from him that, that you get out of Brian Hartline and, and Tim Walton. Do you think that's fair, Andrew? I, I don't think it's fair to expect that, but personally, I kind of do expect that. Just, I mean, even before he spoke the other day, and like you said, that interview was absolutely impressive. Um, just having a younger guy like that who's been there, who's done that, and some of the stuff he said during that that meeting, he wants to be there in the green room when they get drafted, but he also wants them to you know, contact him and invite him to his wet to their weddings and stuff like that. I mean, I, I see no reason that, I mean, he's going to be a star on the recruiting trail, but if you want, if you if you have heartline expectations, you might be a little bit disappointed, but it's fair to have very high expectations though. I think. Did you ever invite a former coach to a wedding? I did not. I did not, but I did invite you to my wedding and you didn't go. So I'm just going to leave true. now. I'm just kidding. That's true. Now remind people when you got married. I, I got married on the day of the Ohio State Penn State game in 2022. Uh, JT Malowa was my was my best man for that wedding, so it was a good day. But I could have probably timed that one better. You're right. Yeah. Um, I, so just just to make sure people understand, I didn't skip his wedding for no good reason. <laughs> Should we tell people about what happened when you came to my last uh, when, when when I got remarried? Yeah, I went to the wrong house. And there yeah. was another part, there was another party happening at another house in wherever it was. And, and I walked to the, I walked to the backyard of this party because I thought it was your party and stood there for 15 minutes until I realized that it was the wrong house. So that was one of my, one of my brighter moments. Did you get, did you make yourself food? Uh, yeah, I did. I got like chips and some type of dip. It was like some kid's graduation party or something. It was yeah. just, it was, it was, yeah. I don't want to talk yeah, that about was it funny. Uh, it's the only time your wife has ever messaged me on Facebook. Um, she sent me a, a message, which I still have saved. Um, it says, Hey, Jeremy, can you call Andrew? I think he's lost. <laughs> I was frantically it's, calling you, but you were occupied, I guess. So yeah, yeah shame was, on me. 
Yeah. Um, so James Laurinaitis is not the only new coach. Neither is Macarari. Chip Kelly is now at Ohio State. And when you talk about recruiting expectations, looking at what you what we think, like if, if there's a, a a totem pole here of of what we expect out of these new coaches as a recruiter, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Laurinaitis is at the top uh, by a wide margin. Uh, Guerrero, and then lower still is Chip Kelly. Which is why I think it's interesting that Chip Kelly, despite all of his uh, career success, uh, people have that expectation of him. And the first thing he did uh, when he took over at Ohio State uh, as the offense coordinator was seemingly put his weight uh, uh, on the decision to offer Brady Smigel, who is a borderline five-star quarterback in the class of 2026 and probably will be a five-star when it's over, uh, when it's all said and done from Newberry Park, Cal- as Newberry Park, California. So, like, the first thing he did was, like, okay, this is the quarterback I want. And I thought it was pretty interesting because six weeks ago, Andrew, when Corey Dennis was still the quarterback's coach at Ohio State, we were this close to having Jared Curtis committed to Ohio State in the class of 2026. And now, because of the transition from Dennis to Bill O'Brien to Corey uh, or to Chip Kelly, uh, it seems like Jared Curtis has pulled back on his recruitment and is not maybe as close to a decision as, as everyone thought he was going to be because there's been all these changes at the schools he was really looking at. And now there's a new guy who's going to come in the list, Smigel, who, uh, again, he's never visited Ohio State, but he spent multiple um, practices with Chip Kelly out in California. So there's a relationship there. And I'm trying to figure out at what point a coach's um, – like legacy slash traditions uh, the people know about them, you know, the reputation, what point does that stop mattering? And people like care about the individual relationships. And I, I think we're still at the part with chip Kelly, even with the, the struggles at UCLA in the last couple of years um, where his reputation still precedes him a little bit. And that was, that's going to open doors as a recruiter. And then you couple that with Ryan day as the quarterback guy. Like I think Ohio state recruiting quarterbacks is still going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Day is still there. And I think the Smigel situation specifically, there's already some sort of, you know, connection with him just from being in California and Chip being at UCLA. So I I think it could help this situation, that recruitment, but I don't know how much it's going to matter big picture wise with Ohio State quarterback recruiting because Ryan Day is always going to be at Ohio State. I did have kind of an interesting thought. I feel like Chip Kelly's presence is going to help Ohio State with running back recruiting a little bit. Because of just you know he likes to he r- likes to run the ball. Um, the, the, some of his running games at Oregon, I know those were years ago, were just some of the some of the best rushing offenses I've ever seen. And I think everybody expects big things from Trey Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins this year. So I think it could help in that regard too. But but specifically with Smigel, I do think it's going to help with quarterback recruiting. But big picture wise, it's it's a Ryan Day thing. Yeah, and also I mean, Chip Kelly got the number one quarterback in the country to come to UCLA two years ago. It's true. You know, and like it sort of just glossed over because Dante Moore is now at Oregon, uh, but Chip Kelly's not at UCLA anymore, so it doesn't matter. It, but it, it's, he has to be able to do some sort of good job recruiting quarterbacks if he was able to convince Dante Moore to come to UCLA, uh, despite the fact that he had previously been committed to Oregon. Like that's, that's saying something. So I don't think that it should be discounted right away. I do feel like the the last month and a half has put Ohio State behind the eight ball a little bit when it comes to Jared Curtis. 
uh, but I still expect him to visit Ohio State this spring, and then we'll see if they can rally the troops there. But um, you know, before the 2026 class, you still have Tavian St. Clair, who is now in the process of building his relationship with Chip Kelly. Um, I actually talked to Tavian for a little bit. And this is sort of a quasi bermanology interview, but we're going to throw it into the middle of talking stuff. Um, just to catch up with him, he was dyna- dynamite out in LA. Uh, by LA, I mean Las Vegas, not Los Angeles. Um, at the NFL's next, ne- the next one or whatever they called it, um, kind of a, an homage to the old days of, you know, high school all stars where they brought them from all over the NFL markets and took them to LA or Las Vegas. Why do I keep saying LA for the Super Bowl? Um, and Tavian was the award winner out there for the accuracy uh, competition they did. That was the only competition they did, and he won it, so that's pretty good. Um, right now, Tavian is the number five-ranked quarterback in the country, according to Rivals.com. He's been slowly but steady moving up, and I thought it would be interesting to just catch up with him to see how he felt about his opportunity to really put the national media onto what he can do a little bit because – I sometimes feel like he's still a secret, and I don't know how that's possible. So um, we're going to talk to Tavian St. Clair for a few moments, and then Andrew and I will be back to wrap up this episode of Talking Stuff on the podcast. Tavian St. Clair joins me now. Tavian, thanks for taking time. Uh, it's been a while since we've had you on one of our shows. Uh, you know, we we go through your junior year. You become a national name. And then two weeks ago, you got to go to Las Vegas when the Super Bowl was happening and participate in one of the more unique events that we've seen uh, around high school football in the last uh, decade or so, the NFL's next ones, you get to go out there wearing a Bengals jersey, which I'm all for because, you know, I'm a Bengals fan. Yeah. Uh, well, how cool was that for you to just get that opportunity? Um, I mean, as always, it's a blessing, you know. Uh, there's not many kids out there that get the opportunity that um, I was given uh, a few weeks ago to go to Vegas and – it was, it was just fun meeting new coaches, uh, competing against some of the best players in my class, and uh, really just recruiting out there as well. I feel like there's some really good talent out there, and um, it was just a fun overall weekend for sure. Is that your first time in Vegas? Yes, sir, it was. I, I mean, I know you're, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're a kid. You can't go crazy out there, but yeah, I'm having something in my throat. What was the best part? What did you like the most about Vegas as, as a city? Um. I'd probably just say like the the overall like diversity out there. There was just a whole lot of um, you know different types of people and different uh, things you could get involved in. And I think that was just something that you know, as a kid from a small town in Ohio, I'm not really used to seeing stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I think that you know that was that was something pretty pretty neat to see. You, know, you mentioned you were out there doing some recruiting, a lot of the country's best players, uh, including a lot of young quarterbacks that um, I, I think you probably, if we're being honest, have been waiting for an opportunity to kind of go head-to-head with uh, since you've taken this leap in your own personal game. You win the quarterback accuracy challenge. You're competing against guys like George McIntyre and Bryce Underwood. And um, you know, to, for you to walk out of there as the winner in one of those events was it validating for you to say, or or was it just like a confidence builder for you to know that you are at that level, even if a lot of people nationally haven't seen it yet? Yeah, I think that was uh that was one of my main goals. Just to, it was another chance to compete and kind of show what what I can do and what I've been working on. Um, and I think that 
I accomplished that pretty well. Um, we got to do one event as QBs, and that was accuracy competition. And I was fortunate enough to come home with the with the win on that one. Um, but overall, I just wanted to build the relationship with those quarterbacks. You know, we'll be competing for the next, you know, over our, the rest of our careers, really, we'll be competing against each other. So it's just good to get to know um, how they operate off the field and uh, just, get, you know, spend time and hang with them. So, Did you get a trophy? I did not. I did not. What does it give you? Just like a plaque or is it just like a, a, a high five? Uh, well, after the accuracy competition, it was just a high five, but um, my AFC team won the Pro Bowl, so I got to have a championship trophy for that, but. How did that how did that thing come about? I mean, I know you've been doing some working out with with Joe Burrow and, and people like that in Cincinnati, but how did how did that entire process happen? I, it sort of came out of the blue, it looked like. Yeah, so I think um it was like top players from a certain region. Um and from each state got to represent an NFL team from like their region. So my region would have been Cincinnati. And um, you know, obviously I was fortunate to be a part of the Bengals organization for a little bit. Um, and Trey McNutt got to represent the Browns. So the two kids from Ohio, um, you know, that they felt like were the, the best athletes to represent the NFL teams. And, um, you know, I, I eventually, when I first got the invitation to the next ones, um, the Bengals had sent me some things like a, um, a letter from the, like the, you know, owner of the Bengals and then just a helmet signed by Joe Burrow. Um, so it was, it was a pretty cool experience and just, um, you know, felt like, you know, the whole state was kind of behind me. So have you noticed, I mean, gosh, here we are, what it's like eight months since you committed, um, Is life, you know, you get the nice fortunate break of, of your junior season, a lot of focus just on the game and, uh, playing with your teammates. And then the off season hits every, t- every picture I see of you, you look like you're five pounds heavier than you were in the previous picture. You're working out crazy 5 a.m. every day, you told me. Yes, sir. Like, how different is life for Tavian St. Clair now than it was in June when you committed? I mean, like, you're you're a star now, right? Are you, but you you still don't have, like, star, I'm a star guy attitude. So how do yes, you, sir. who's keeping you humble now and how different has life been? Um, You know, it it's been, it's been different ever since I committed. Um, people will know your name a little bit more, um, just like in throughout the state and really around the country. You can, you know, I have family that lives in Texas or Florida and they'll go out to eat a dinner and they'll overhear somebody talking about me, like other Buckeye fans will be talking about me. So, um, it's, it's pretty neat to hear. And, uh, you know, just as, as far as what's keeping me humble, I feel like, you know, my parents and my family have always told me that, you know, it can be taken away, like, you know, in the blink of an eye and, so I don't take anything for granted. I always try and make sure that I'm getting the most out of every day and, um, you know, becoming the best player that I can be um, every single day. So the last month and a half has been a little bit crazy when it comes to Ohio State football recruiting. Aside from big additions in your class, guys like Neem Offord and guys like Devin Sanchez, guys like Carter Lowe, et cetera. You know, the, the quarterbacks coach who was recruiting you for the last year and a half is no longer there. Uh, you get a phone call and told that Bill O'Brien's coming in and he's going to be the new quarterback's coach. And this is a guy that coached Tom Brady and all the other things. And then you get excited to get to build a relationship with him. Three weeks later, he's gone. Uh, then it's Chip Kelly, who I'm sure, you know, as a football fan, you know who Chip Kelly is. You are aware of the way his offenses have run throughout, you know, his life. 
How has the initial relationship with Chip Kelly been for you? What do you think of him? And just in general, how chaotic was this last month for you because of all that stuff going on? Yeah, so me and Coach Kelly have been in contact in the past week. I'm just trying to, you know, build our relationship up a little bit, um, knowing that he's going to be my coach in the future. Um, Just kind of introductory stuff, not a whole lot of, you know, like football talk yet. But, um, you know, he just talked about my film a little bit and how he's excited to, you know, get started and build this relationship and then eventually coach me. So, um, you know, in the process, I was – it was a little stressful just because, like, you know, I, I was getting comfortable with Coach O'Brien uh, there for a bit. And like you said, with Coach Dennis, he was the one that recruited me. So um, it was a little tough at first. But, you know, I, I understand that it's part of the business. And, you know, Ohio State, you got to be the best. And if you're not at the best at all times, then, you know, things have to change. And, you know, with Coach O'Brien, I understand his situation. Um, you know, I'm praying that everything goes all right with him and his family. And I'm praying that, you know, he has success out there in Boston. Um, but with me and coach Kelly and coach day, I think that, you know, I'm very excited for the future. What was that conversation like with coach day when he called you to tell you Bill's leaving chips coming in? I mean, did he tell you about his relationship with chip obviously and how chip coached him in, in college? And does that make it easier for you to trust that this is the right decision? Yeah, I think that just, you know, Coach Kelly's overall background and, um, you know, some of the players he's coached and, you know, especially with being close with Coach Day, I know that their bond is strong and I know that it's going to be, you know, very beneficial for Ohio State and the program and the offense. And um, I think that, uh, you know, that that's just something that Coach Kelly is going to, you know, eventually mold into and it's going to be like how old Ohio State was. I think we're, you know, going to be back on top here soon, so. Uh, were were you happy to get an opportunity to sort of show off nationally and, and give the national recruiting media a chance to see you? Because like I, I feel at times that people uh, view the way that I would evaluate your talent or your game as me being a homer or something. Because I, I've watched you now for you know going on three years, yes, sir. and a lot of people nationally haven't had a chance to see it. You've been moving up the rankings. I know you don't say you don't care about those, but I know that you care down in your heart because everyone mm-hmm. wants to be the best. Um, but now you're starting to climb up. Do you do you leave an event like that Las Vegas event really just excited for the Elite Eleven regionals and stuff like that that are coming up? Yeah, definitely. Um, every opportunity I get to show that you know, what I've been working on and, you know, what I think I'm capable of doing, I think is, you know, I take it, you know, by the reins and just try and really show everything that I, I've been working on and, you know, what I can really do. Um, as far as the national media, I think that that was a cool opportunity, like you said, just to put my name out there to them because, you know, only people from kind of around this area knew about me. And I think, uh, I think that that was just something that I look forward to and I look forward to at the Elite 11 as well, just going out and competing in front of national you know, attention and uh, see where this thing goes. Yeah, most of these people, the last time they saw you was like last April and you were six foot three and a half and 180 pounds and now you're 220 pounds. And I think people are probably like, what the hell? How did this happen? Uh, and and it, it, that sort of change immediately changes the way that people perceive you. You sat out in Vegas. You had a chance to do some recruiting. 
I know that people are going to talk about Fahim Delane a lot. That's a guy that we've we've heard a lot about, Trey McNutt, as an Ohioan that you're recruiting. Yes, sir. Update folks out there in Buckeye land. Like, how confident are you that you and Javon and, and the guys that are in this class, Carter, Eli, um, you know, Blake, et cetera, Devin, uh, how confident are you guys that this has a chance to be the country's best recruiting class when all is said and done? You know, we, we, uh, when I was the first one, like kind of in the commitment after Jonte had left, um, you know, I kind of, I started working on Devin and Carter and, uh, Javon and people like that just to, you know, just to let them know how I was feeling and how it feels to be a kid from Ohio and just, you know, what I've seen growing up at Ohio State and they all want it just as badly as I do. And I think that, you know, they are, we talk about it every day that, you know, we're, we're not stopping until we're number one. And even when we are number one, we're just going to keep building it. We don't, we want Ohio State to become elite and, you know, there's the best players will be out there on the field at all times. And, um, you know, we're just trying to bring in the best players that we can so that we're competitive um, every day in practice and getting better. And um, I just I would just say that, you know, Buckeye Nation is in good hands with us, with this class. So there's a lot of good dudes in this class. And, you know, we're just looking to keep building here soon. So spring practice starts in 10 days, I think, in nine days, something like that for Ohio State. Yes, You're 40 minutes down the road, a lot of big-time visitors coming in from all over the country, guys like Jordan Davison coming in for four days from California. Obviously, Devin and the other commitments are coming in. How often do you intend to be at, on campus at practice with the Buckeyes in the next month? Yeah, so I've already been kind of reaching out, um, and they've some of the commitments and some of the recruits have been reaching out to me just asking when I would be there. And my answer has been, when you're there, I'm going to be there. You know, I'm 40 to 50 minutes down the road. Like you just got to let me know when you're going to be there and I'll, I'll be there, you know, just to, just to be there, just to build a relationship up, you know, get to know them as much as I can. And, um, you know, just, especially guys from out of state, I want to make sure that I'm there to, you know, kind of be another guy to show them around and things like that. So. Well, the impact that you guys can make by just having that FaceTime with people is absolutely huge, as you already know. But uh, I know you're trying to get to a basketball game, so I'm going to let you bounce and, and get on your way. Just wanted to do a quick catch-up with you. Tavian St. Clair, Ohio State 2025 quarterback commit, leader of the class, and the country's most accurate passer. I'm just going to – I'm just writing it into existence <laughs> now, Tavian. You are the most accurate guy in the country. Uh, thanks to Tavian for joining us. Be right back with Andrew Ellis and myself for the next part of Talking Stuff Now. Thank you to Tavian St. Clair for taking the time on this Thursday evening to talk about things. Uh, he is really a great kid, and, and it's easy to see why people uh, are gravitating toward him on the recruiting trail. I thought the interesting thing about what he said in the interview with me, Andrew, is that he's been getting messages from other recruits around the country saying, hey, when are you going to be there? And Tavian said, whenever you're there. I'm there. And uh, that is what you need and why it's such a benefit to be able to have a quarterback from Ohio in the class and as the class leader for the first time in quite some time. Um, one of the biggest fish that he's going to get a chance to hang out with in the month of March is Jordan Davison, the country's number one or two ranked running back, depending on where you're looking. Either way, he's in that top conversation. Modern day high school, now the home of Chris Henry Jr. So there, you at least have a little bit of uh, added um relationships happening out there for the Buckeyes. But it, it, it's fascinating to me 
that once again, Jordan Davison, who people have just sort of written off as far as Ohio State's chances over the last few months. I don't entirely know why. He had like a three-day visit last year. He's visited three times. Like All of the things that he has to do to prove he's interested in Ohio State, he's doing. Like He's been on a three-day visit. Now he's going to take a four-day visit. I don't know if a five-day visit's coming up, but I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and, and I think it's it's still a reminder that this is a recruitment that's very much worth paying attention to. Yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about him a while ago when he made those multi-day visits on his own dime. And then it seemed like the winds were, or maybe the winds weren't blowing this way, but most of the chatter since then has seemingly been around like Texas and maybe a little bit of Oregon as well. So getting him back on campus for, for a four-day visit with his family in March is, I mean, that's got to be one of the top two or three most important visits of the month, at least so far with the list we've got shaping up. Um, hopefully a two running back class. You know, I think, I think Alfred needs to get to, if you can land the, the five-star type national guy in Davison and then get like a Marquise Davis type out of the Cleveland area, that would be kind of a dream scenario. I know Bo Jackson's out there too. But, but yeah, getting him back on, on campus is a, is a huge deal for Tony Alford. I mean, it does speak to what you were just talking about, about Chip Kelly. Like, this is an opportunity for Chip Kelly's offense and what he's brought to the table to really shine when, when he, these kids visit. He's going to have an opportunity to watch Quinshaw Judkins and Travion Henderson practice and see what Ohio State's new running game is going to look like. And, and I can't help but think that that will be something um, valuable for the Buckeyes. It, it is Obviously, a kid from California, from Los Angeles. Um, I don't think he was seriously considering UCLA, but you can't blame him. UCLA has no NIL um, like thing to speak of, and their program has been pretty bad, and they don't think they have a lot of support from the administration. And so a lot of kids from Los Angeles have been trying to get out of that area. But um, Davison is very serious about Ohio State, and he's – He's made no bones about that multiple times. When he set up the four-day visit, he's the one that reached out to me and said, hey, by the way, this is set. Like He sent me a picture of him and Tony Alford at, at his high school. And I think what you're looking for here is the conversation you have to have with both him and Marquise Davis. Marquise Davis is too good to not take at Ohio State if he wants to come to Ohio State. So it does not matter to me uh, what the preference is in the class of 2025, I think, and, and this will sound silly to maybe some, but like Marquise Davis to me is a bigger priority than Jordan Davison simply because I, I think that if you don't get Marquise Davis and you don't continue to show him that he's a priority, and he the Buckeyes are doing that uh, without question, and he'll be on campus at least once, probably multiple times this spring. Um, if If you don't do that, like, He's. I feel like he's probably going to end up at Michigan, and so you can't have that happen again after the the uh, Jordan Marshall thing last year. And it's just one of those situations where I can see how nationally or other schools will try to drive a wedge between Ohio State and Marquise Davis by saying, "Oh, they they only care about Jordan Davis," and like that is not true. But ideally, you should have these two working together and figuring out, hey, we can be the guys. Like Quinshawn Judkins and Travion Henderson are going to be gone after this year. You you don't know how much longer Down Hayden's at, uh, at Ohio State. Even if he sticks it out after this year, he would be the starter presumably a year from now and then be one and done. So like, there's a wide open opportunity 
for this class of 2025 and these running backs in it. And, and Ohio State is certainly making sure they know it. But um, again, just nationally, there's a lot of talk about Byron Lewis down in American Heritage uh, in Florida who, and saying, well, this is the guy that's Ohio State's, uh, you know, they do well in South Florida. Uh, but like, do they? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be working out at running back recruiting in South Florida. But they've never landed a kid for modern day in, in my lifetime. So uh, it, it seems like this might be the one, and I don't want to put too much positivity into the world, but I think this might be the one. Well, that'd be great because I'd honestly kind of forgotten about him for, for a while there after the visits and when the Oregon chatter started. But, yeah, stay away from those Florida running backs. I know there's a lot of really good players down there, but you've been burned by that way too many times. Um, if they can, I, When we talked on here, one of our – I mean, it was a long time ago. There was a time when I think you mentioned Marquise Davis wanting to be like the guy – in a class. So I'm hoping that with Henderson and Judkins this season, Chip Kelly and Ryan day can kind of, like you said, kind of display what that two man backfield can look like. And hopefully that pays off in the 2025 class. Yeah. I think that that is still probably his preference. I don't think it's a deal breaker. And I do think that there is some value for Ohio state to be able to showcase. Look, go back to the class of 2021. Here's Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor. The, the value of getting through college and having tread left on your tires is massive. It is huge. And there's no reason you can't be part of a two-man class, especially now if you look back at the class of 2024, because we still don't know exactly what Sam Williams-Dixon um, is going to be at Ohio State. So really, you signed one true running back with James Peoples, and then you've signed one athlete who can play in the backfield in Sam Williams-Dixon. So now it becomes pretty important to sign two in the class of 2025 because you lost Jordan Lyle so late in the process. So um, either way, Jordan Davis and four-day visit is huge. He's also, like I said, he's got the teammate now with uh, Chris Henry Jr., Ohio State's 2026 wide receiver commitment. And the Buckeyes are also recruiting other players out there. There's a linebacker whose name is escaping me right now that was recently offered. And then there's Nasir Wyatt, who is a defensive end edge linebacker who. James Laurinaitis has been out to see a few times and why it's going to be visiting Ohio State. I think it's March 9th. And, uh, you know, Nasir could potentially be a defensive end. There's been some talk about that. And I think a lot of these guys who are potential edge rushers are going to feel a big weight off their shoulder when they come to Columbus and know that if at the very least, Larry Johnson's there for the next couple of years after he signed a contract extension uh, for a two-year deal. And Andrew, like there's been a lot of lamentation about Larry Johnson and his recruiting efforts in the last few years, but I think some of it's just been the contract hanging over the head of people saying, is it going to be done? And now you know that it's not. We saw a crystal ball from Steve Wiltfong um, rolling in this week about London Merritt, who is, again, I don't know that London Merritt's your traditional edge rusher. He's maybe not your traditional defensive end size-wise, not like Zaheer Mathis is over in, at Imatap at 6'5", 235, 240-pound. London's maybe more 6'3", 235, 240, kind of a Jonathan Cooper type. But like I think a lot of these kids around the country are going to be able to take a deep breath and feel better knowing that Larry Johnson is not going anywhere imminently. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. But I, I will say like the retirement talks from other schools have has been going on for, I mean, a long time now. And during some of those, some of that negative recruiting chatter, like he was still landing four and five star guys and that kind of thing. So I don't really know why these last few years have been, maybe it's just because he's gotten older. I don't know. But 
I mean, the contract extension doesn't hurt. I know two-year contract extensions don't always mean two years, and uh, who knows, but it doesn't hurt, I guess, is my is my stance on that. I look at it like this. Uh, I, I think Larry Johnson, because the fact that he signed this new extension, has a much better ability to rebuke people who are making these comments and say, uh, you know, no, he, he's, he's actually joked about it in the past. No one ever asked Nick Saban when he's retiring. Well, Nick Saban retired. Uh, no one ever talks about it with other schools. But if you look at what Auburn did this offseason um, in, in their efforts to sign, um, my, my brain with names is like falling. Was Maris Steve, Williams. Oh, Maris. Okay. Come on. Amer- Maris Williams, you know, the North Carolina defensive end that Ohio State was big, very high on and very close to landing. They convinced Amaris Williams that Larry Johnson was going to be leaving. And what happened? Their defensive line coach left for the NFL three weeks after signing day. Like Larry Johnson can turn around and say, you see all this stuff. And then here's the Marcus Hall. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't need to continue to, to defend th- myself against this stuff. Ask these other schools because they're the people at, that are actually having their defensive line coaches leaving for other schools or going to the NFL or head coaches who are retiring, et cetera. So I think it's actually pretty big. Um, you know, I, I think that this cycle for Ohio State at defensive line is pretty darn important. And uh, there, it's typical in Larry Johnson fashion. We don't really have a, a great handle on like his list of priorities right now. But as you start to see who filters into Columbus over the next few weeks, it'll get easier and easier to figure that out. Maxwell Roy, um, a four-star defensive tackle, from Philadelphia, uh, the same high school as Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison. He's put Ohio State in his top six. He says he's visiting again in March. So, like, you're going to start to see names pop up. But to have Zahir Mathis in the class now, to have some real momentum happening with uh, London Merritt, like, that's that's big time for Ohio State uh, to try to eliminate the mistakes of the last few years. Yeah, I mean, they need at least at least three edge guys in this class. They have one already. Um, London Merritt would be another one, even if he's not that traditional edge guy. Um, let me ask you, is is Justin Hill being recruited primarily by James Laurinaitis then? I think he's probably he like is, kind of a hybrid it, it guy. Is at the Jack. He, it, it, it is primarily James Laurinaitis recruiting him, um, but it is at, at the Jack, which is a, a little bit of an indicator, I guess, as to whose responsibility that ultimately will be on the coaching staff when they – are, are using that position. I asked Laurinaitis about that on Tuesday and said, Hey, is this your spot? If it is, you know, who, who are the people you want for it? And he said, he doesn't know who's going to be. And I think maybe it's just Jim Knowles will coach that because now he's not with the linebackers uh, like he was before. But if, if you look around the country, uh, there, there's the weak side defensive ends, those traditional edge rushers. There's the Zaheer Mathis. Um, and, that's really like it as far as the Ohio State in the top 10 nationally. Damian Shanklin from Indianapolis is a player that the Buckeyes will offer when he visits um, in early March. He was supposed to visit in January and got sick and could not make it. Um, he's one that they will offer for sure. Um, and then there's the guys in state like uh, Cedric Works and, and uh, Brandon Caesar, and you wonder what is going on with Cedric works. I've heard speculation that the lack of an offer to Cedric works may be more about uh, some work that he needs to get. No, no pun intended. Some works he needs to uh, take care of in the classroom. 
Uh, so we'll see if that's something that comes to fruition or not. He's got the talent to be an Ohio State level player, um, but you know it's not that type of world. You still, even though student athlete is still a thing, right? Um, and then there's the strong side defensive end spot, which is where Ohio State has a lot more offers out. There's Elijah Griffin, Nathaniel Marshall, um, you know London Merritt. Obviously, they had offered Christopher Burgess, who signed, or committed to Notre Dame, Jalen Williams. Um, Marion die like all these guys are regional and so there's an opportunity for larry johnson to not have to go national at defensive end and defensive tackle in the class of 2025 and that is huge because the last few years what i think has really tripped them up is just at the end of the cycle like the the urge to stay closer to home is overwhelming and when you look at guys like damian shanklin and marion die um from you know indian indiana so it's right next door you've got uh, Brandon Caesar, you've got Cedric Works. If you can decide to to come around and offer him, you've got Mathis in Pennsylvania. Like this is the footprint Ohio State needs to attack, and then you add Justin Hill into that mix, and it it could be a really good defensive end group in the class of 2025. And that's why, again, for Larry Johnson to be able to say, "I'm here. This is what it's going to be," I think is actually a pretty big deal. Yeah, Shanklin's the one that I've been really hoping they offer. And like you said, that's probably going to come. I just don't want Notre Dame to get some insurmountable lead before Ohio State makes uh, you know, makes their interest known. And then with Justin yeah, Hill. I think Michigan's the bigger problem potentially with Shanklin, but either oh. way, I mean they just they just had a new defensive line coach hired and it's you know, the guy from Wisconsin, so it's not like he's unfamiliar. So they they're not behind the eight ball that much. And how do you think it's going to go recruiting Justin Hill as a Jack if you do not use the Jack? Like, that seems like a bold strategy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the chicken or the egg theory, I guess, even though I'm not sure that's the correct theory. It's like, it's not. we can't recruit this. We, we haven't used this position because we need to recruit someone like you or we recruit someone like you so we can use this position. Like, it's, I don't know. Justin Hill is fine with it. Um, Ohio State, you know... Alabama's the team I've talked about over and over with Justin Hill. And while that is not dead in the water, it's certainly less threatening right now because you don't know what the next iteration of Alabama football is going to be like. I mean, I expect Kalen DeBoer will still win himself a lot of football games, but he's not Nick Saban. Um, and now you have James Laurinaitis as your personal recruiter. That changes things a little bit. And I really think for Ohio State, like this next month, has to be about getting these in-state guys, and I include that with Justin Hill and Trey McNutt, not Dorian Brew. Like you got to wrap these guys up in the state, um, and then you got to decide if you're going to offer Nolan Davenport the tackle, uh, ter- tight end turn tackle from Massillon, Washington, who I think has a really high upside and is a guy that could be a nice like developmental piece at offensive line and. Um, you can do that and offer him early before he ends up finding a home at Penn state or somewhere else um, in order to make sure that, you know, he's not going to threaten the national guys you're recruiting at at tackle because he's a kid who's played the position for one year. Um, But like the other schools in the area, the Penn States, the Pitts, the Michigan States, et cetera, are not going to feel like they're not going to be threatened by Ohio state, not offering him. So I think you got to go. Um, what else you got? Let's let's dive into the four minute offense here. Final thoughts, questions, etc. We'll see if we can actually do it in four minutes. Probably not. So 
the only like upcoming scheduled announcement that we know is the Alfred one coming March 30th or whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. I guess we haven't done like a in or out in a while. So I was going to jump into that. If you're, if you're game sure. for that. Sure. Let's do that. Wasn't okay. Ready. Wasn't thinking about that, but now I'm whew, okay. Let's do it. Well, I kind of wanted to talk about Dorian Bruce. So that's going to lead off this, this in or out as well. There have been some rumblings, you know, the Ohio player turned tex Texas player. There have been some rumblings that Ohio state is no longer in his top two and might be running third behind the likes of Texas and LSU. So that's really my first name for the in or out, but I'm really just asking if you buy that or not. Uh, I don't know that I buy that entirely. I do buy that there may be some hemming and hedging the bets a little bit because Ohio State had done a really great job uh, working with Dorian over the last eight months and showing him their plan for him as a defensive back. And I think that there is probably... Um, a little internal battle with him about if that's truly what he wants to do or if he wants to play wide receiver. Um, he is originally from Texas. Let's be clear. That's where he was born. His father was an Olympic uh, track star from LSU. Uh, there are plenty of reasons to think that like, he lived in Ohio for a couple of years, and that's true. Uh, I don't consider him an Ohio prospect, but his mom is a Ohio State Hall of Famer on, in track and field as well. So it's not like he doesn't have ties to Ohio State. Um, but what you look at here is, is what does he want to do? Does he want to play offense or does he want to play defense? And I think that's just the debate that's happening. I, I, Ohio State is not going to change the way they approach him or change the way they recruit him. They see him one way. This is what they think. Um, I believe other schools will will say whatever they want whatever they think they have to say. And right now, Tim Walton in Ohio state is just not willing to do that. So um, th that being said, I think there's also a component where, you know, you get an opportunity to, to be wined and dined a little bit for the next few months. Why not? Uh, I, I still think he's going to end up at Ohio state. So I'll say in. Got it. Not going to ask you about Alfred and Delane. Cause I think the answer is in on, on both yeah. of those. Um, a guy we haven't talked about, today much at all and the guy who seems to be trending upward um in terms of where ohio state stands with him so brian hartline is good at recruiting um yeah jamie jamie french florida wideout former alabama commit what would you say on on that one as we sit here today in late february i'm probably going to be on the outside of this one and maybe an outlier in the ohio state recruiting world i i think he will end up staying close to home in florida i and there's a few reasons for that number one i think this recruitment is going to last a while uh, and i i don't know that the other guys ohio state's recruiting at wide receiver and this is a class they're going to probably take four um you have javen boggs already committed i think philip bell out in california is a guy that could commit to ohio state before jamie french would um, there's a, a pair of wide receivers in Texas that the Buckeyes are very high on. Um, and uh, in uh, Dalen McCutcheon and Kalik Lockett, those are two guys that they're very high on. There's Quincy Porter in New Jersey they're very high on. There's Taylor Taylor in Illinois. There's Taz Williams in, in Texas. Like There's a lot of players uh, that are interested in Ohio State. Uh, and I don't know that French, by the time he's ready to commit, if you already have three guys, is he going to be easy to 
pick off for someone else. Bottom line, I think, and I've I've heard it said, and I've seen and I've read it, a lot of what Jamie French does may be contingent on how Ohio State utilizes Jeremiah Smith as a freshman. Um, and I, I I don't know that that's a fair way to view your recruitment, how someone else gets utilized, but especially considering you're two very different types of players. I've seen Jamie French in person. He's awesome. Uh, he is really, really good. I, he's not Jeremiah Smith, and I, I don't know that you should be looking at Jeremiah Smith's develop. And maybe it's not the output, but so much the development that he's looking at, and we'll see how that goes. But um, I, I would say out, but I'm I'm I've learned long enough uh, or well enough to not ever doubt Brian Hartline. But I I just think that maybe um, I, I just get the sense he's going to stay close to him. But I could be. I mean, there, there's time. To, there's time to figure that out. Right. Um, we're going to stick in the uh, southeastern footprint here. So Ohio State has Carter Lowe committed from Toledo, maybe the number one musket in the class offensive tackle. Uh, they need multiple offensive tackles, probably three. So Micah DeBose, the uh, one-time Georgia commit from the state of Alabama, with some Ohio ties. I can't remember if he lived here or has family here, but there's something. He's born in Cleveland. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, there had been some Ohio State chatter. Obviously, Nick Saban is now out of the picture. Auburn's a factor. Do you think out like stays down in that part of the country, or where where do you think that one's at right now? No, I mean it didn't. I think I just saw like a crystal ball for him for LSU or something, right? So, yes, uh, I, I think he's a kid that is easily uh, swayed and very uh, impressionable when he's on these trips. So, getting him back to campus one or two or three more times is going to be pretty important. You got to get him on campus in the spring. You got to get him back for an official visit. And then you got to get him back for another game day trip. And I, I think Ohio State can win that fight. I would have him out right now because it just seems like he's probably more into the game of recruiting than you'd like or what we've traditionally seen Ohio State have success success with from an offensive lineman. But the relationship that he has with Carter Lowe is, is getting pretty pretty good. Damian St. Clair is involved. I, I think that that's one where Ohio State can can win it, but I, I don't think they would. Like, if you're asking me today, I would say out. Yeah, got it. I kind of was expecting that answer. Um, we've gone over four minutes, but two more two more names, both on the offensive side of the ball, uh, one of which uh, Keenan Bailey's top, top target for sure. Uh, Nate Roberts, tight end out of Oklahoma. Seems like Ohio State. Oregon, Oklahoma. His brother is now at Oklahoma. Granted, he's only going to be there, I think, one year. So what would you say on that one? I think he's in. I I, I, I feel like what we've seen out of Keenan Bailey in this recruiting effort is probably the single best one coach, one player recruiting effort I've seen in my time covering Ohio State. And it will... F- mean nothing if he doesn't end up signing with Ohio State, but uh, the effort and the commitment from Keenan Bailey to Nate Roberts and his family has been unbelievable, uh, and I, I, I think it will pay off. I, I know that the Oregon stuff is is concerning. Oklahoma, obviously, that's where he's from. It's where his dad went to school. He's got a lot of reasons to stay there, especially, as you mentioned, his brother there now, even though he won't be when, when Nate would get on campus and start his career, but I just... I think he's going to end up at Ohio State. He'll be back visiting again at, in uh, for the spring game in April. He'll come back for an official visit in in June, and I just think Ohio State's going to win it. It may it may take till June for it to happen, 
but I, I think you could see that maybe wrap up uh, in spring if if this spring game visit goes the way that the other visits have gone. It's so consistent. It's so personal between Keenan Bailey and, and that group and that family. And I just think it's it's at a different level. And I will be shocked. I, I will be shocked if he does not end up with Ohio State. Awesome. Um, I lied. Two more names, but one of them we've already spent a lot of time talking about, so we can get a quick answer. Uh, Jordan Davison, would you have him in or out right now? In. In. Lovely. Um, last name. So Michigan, obviously Jim Harbaugh's gone. Um, Avery Gatch. It's Gatch, right? Avery Gatch. Gatch. Yeah. Gatch. <laughs> Interior offensive lineman. Top priority target for Michigan. Michigan State, I know, is up there too, and I know Ohio State really likes him too. What are your thoughts? Ohio on State loves him. Um, and Ohio State, State, whatever. Seven, eight months ago, Ohio State was probably the leader. Uh, and then Michigan decided to start really recruiting him. Um, and now Michigan is the leader. And I'll be surprised if he doesn't go there. The one thing I think that could end up happening is that if there are any sort of sanctions that actually get levied by the NCAA and put Michigan in a position where they're down scholarships or they have a couple year bowl ban, maybe that could put Ohio State back in the, in the spot. Like the the night that Ohio State had four coaches uh, watching Carter Lowe uh, playing basketball in January, like they were on the phone with Avery Gatch saying, "Hey, Carter's here." Like th- those two are close. They're 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 hoping that relationship can matter. He is really really good um, and a player that Ohio State has been extremely high on for a while. It's funny because it's something that like from the Ohio State side of things we normally see it the other way. Like there's schools around the country that are recruiting a kid really hard in Ohio and the Buckeyes aren't paying a lot of attention to them. And then all of a sudden they, they blow, uh, blow a kiss in their direction and, and it's over. Uh, and, and Avery Gatch, despite the fact that his father went to Michigan state and is actually grew up rooting for the Spartans. Uh, it seems like it's pretty much going to be Michigan at this point. The question, I think I get the sense that he's waiting to see what happens with the NCAA and, and, if if that goes wrong for Michigan, then that could reopen the door for Ohio State. But they would welcome him, uh, to, you know, ASAP. Got it. I think that's it for me. That's the last one I had. No, well, good. We're we're pushing an hour on this episode of Talking Stuff on the podcast. Uh, we will be much more consistent doing these over the next six weeks as we get into spring visits and spring camp and all of the other things that are going on. But uh, we appreciate you bearing with us over these last couple of weeks as Andrew went to Mexico and I went to Key West and we're doing our vacations and we're trying to take it easy during the recruiting easy period. And that period is just about over. So we'll be get back on the saddle ASAP and full time on the podcast, talking stuff and Bermanologies and all that stuff over these next few weeks. So for Andrew Ellis, I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff. Thanks for watching. We will see you next time.